Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there, I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. Today we are talking about why to rethink your drinking, even if you're not that bad. I know that myself for a long time debated whether I really had to stop drinking. I stayed in that attempt to moderate, to cut back, to drink less, to take breaks for a very long time. And my two guests today were in the same place. My guests are the host of the Over the Influence podcast out of the UK. They're Sharon Hartley and Ben Anderson. They are both completely alcohol-free and sing about the joys of sobriety from the rooftops because giving up alcohol has been completely transformative in both of their lives. Sharon was a daily drinker before she removed alcohol from her life like I was. Uh, she drank too much, too fast, too often, but booze became boring. So she decided to jump off the hangover hamster wheel and start living her life to the fullest. Ben also gave up alcohol completely in 2020 
after a failed attempt at moderation. Ben strongly believes that you don't need to have a rock bottom to rethink your drinking and that anyone can benefit from removing alcohol, no matter what kind of a drinker they are. So Ben and Sharon, thank you so much for joining me. You are more than welcome, Casey. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having us. Oh, yeah. Well, we spoke a while ago and it was such a great conversation And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is I know so many women who listen to my podcast are in that middle space of saying, I can't do this to myself anymore. I need to drink less. I need to drink less often. They're making all the rules about when they'll drink, how much they drink. And yet what stops them from taking a longer break from alcohol or quitting drinking entirely is the idea of, well, I'm not that bad. No one has told me that I need to stop drinking. I haven't had a DUI or an accident, and I'm not a quote-unquote alcoholic, which I don't refer to myself as an alcoholic at all. And yet, I finally took an extended break from drinking. I knew alcohol was a problem for me. I worried about it. I was a daily drinker too. and wish that I'd done it a whole lot earlier. Who's going to start off then, Sharon? Because you know that there's been a few kind of triggering words in there for me. You know what Casey just said that that gets me riled up. So I think maybe you should start so that we kind of have a more (laughs) relaxed introduction to us as a as a podcast over the influence rather than a kind of ranty, well, Casey, let me start. Shaz, please just take it away. I'll uh... Yeah, brilliant. Okay, but I will go first. And uh, again, thank you, Casey. It's it's really lovely to be here. Oh my goodness me. I can see Ben taking notes as well. So um, he's got loads to say. There's so much to unpick from what you've just uh, talked about in, in your introduction there. I think in order to explain where I'm at, it'd be really helpful to rewind to when I first decided to remove alcohol, which was um, 1,000 700 days ago. Hey, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Crazy. And you know what? It never gets any less surprising or less exciting. Honestly, it really doesn't. Rewind to um, September 2018, and I was 44 years old. I was a daily drinker. Um, I've stopped telling people how much I drank because it's not helpful. Because as you've said there, somebody might go, well, I'm not as bad as Sharon Hartley. I didn't drink that much. So I'm okay. And quite often we know that that's absolutely not the case. Um, So as a daily drinker, I drank too much, too fast and too often. And I think when you start Googling things like, am I drinking too much? What are the signs of alcohol addiction? You know deep down that maybe you have got a problematic relationship with alcohol. And in the past, I'd done a dry January, a sober October, which is uh, the, the months of abstinence in the UK, uh, always clinging on for, for dear life, could not wait to get right back on it on day one, you know, of, of the following month. But I knew that I needed to take a longer break in order to experience the so-called benefits that people used to bore me with about alcohol-free life. Um, because how could you possibly enjoy it, you know, a, a life without booze? It's all I'd ever known uh, since being a teenager, to be honest. So it's got a really, really long story short. I took a break from alcohol uh, for 90 days with the full intention of starting again 
on day 91, which would have coincided with the 1st of December uh, party season. Yeah. But during that period of, of 90 days, around day 65, 70, I knew then that something was happening, something was changing, and something was working. And I thought, in order to give myself a, a real shot at, at this life people talk about without alcohol, just got to keep going, just got to do 365 days and uh, get a year under my belt so that I can save experience, you know, the first birthday, a Christmas, a wedding, whatever happens in that 12 months. Um, and basically, it was completely and utterly life-changing, hands down, the, the best thing I've ever done in my life, ever. But just going back to what you said, Casey, about people thinking, I'm not alcoholic, I'm not addicted, I've, I've, I've not got a problem. Until you pull yourself out of it and until you are standing on the other side without a drink in your hand looking back, that is when you realise, I think, that, yeah, there was a problem. Yeah, my relationship with alcohol had become problematic, causing problems for me and, and other people. Um, and it sounds so obvious to say it, but until you stop and put down the drink and, and look back, you don't think it, it, in many cases you realise quite how bad it has got because alcohol's it's it's a, it's a sneaky little shit and it creeps up. It's a sneaky little shit. <laughs> and before you know it, you think a bottle of wine a night is completely normal in, in your forties, and it's it's absolutely not. So that's my sort of story in a nutshell. And you know, obviously, you, you'll, you'll speak to Ben as well. And the reason our podcast exists over the influence is because we just truly believe from from the heart that we need to sing about sobriety. And let people know and shout loud for the people at the back that are maybe a bit undecided or a little bit nervous or feeling alone, ashamed, embarrassed, whatever it is, we will keep shouting about it because it's completely and utterly life-changing. Not to say it's not without its its problems in that life still goes on, shit still happens, but my God, you can you can deal with it all when you're alcohol-free. Yeah, I have so many follow-up questions on everything you said that I want to dig into. But first, I definitely want to hear from Ben because one of the things that made me smile, Ben, when we were talking earlier was you said you were accidentally alcohol-free. And I have to say, uh, from someone who worried about their drinking for 10 years and tried desperately to get a handle on it because quitting drinking was literally my worst case scenario. I'm like, how the hell are you accidentally alcohol free? Yeah. So a bit like Sharon, you know, I never intended to go beyond, I said three months as well. Initially, I'm going to give up alcohol for three months and then I'll go back to drinking exactly like I drank before. I will just use this as a break, as a, not, not even as a reset, to be honest, it would just be a kind of, look, I'm going to have some time off. I'm going to let myself recover, get some good sleep in and then go back to drinking. And I think for me, I noticed quite quickly that it was a really good thing for me to do, not to drink. Like the benefits started happening almost immediately. And I was like, ah, damn, God, right. There's something in this. I'm going to have to extend this to six months. And then I got to six and went, right, let's extend it to 12. And it was only on day 366 for me that I went, right, you know, I've got a year now of data, you know, drinker Ben, years of data, non-drinker Ben, one year of, and... uh, (laughs) let's face it non-drinker ben is a much 
nicer, better, more well-rounded guy than Drinker Ben was. So that's when I decided to knock it on the head for good. But yeah, I suppose the accidental thing is because it was never an intention. You know, it was never, I never intended to be an alcohol-free person. It just kind of, it happened when I took that initial break. And I think that, you know, that first question about what stops people and them looking at others around them, like I did that, I looked around me and I drank normally, Casey. In terms of, I was a binge drinker, you know, in terms of, if, you, if you're going to kind of put a label on it, I didn't drink every day, but when I did go out, I would binge drink and it would be, you know, a Thursday night. And I'd say, yeah, I'll, I'll come and meet you in the pub. We'll have a couple of pints with the football. It didn't take too much temptation for them to go, do you want to stay for one more? And then I'd come home 10 pints later and have work in the morning and be dealing with work with a hangover. And you know that would happen Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. So <laughs> saying I'm not a daily drinker on the weekends, I really put in a good shift. But for me, I looked around and people my age, people in my kind of, you know, the lads, essentially, yeah. the boys, we were all doing the same thing. We we're all drinking too much. We we're all eating crap on the way home. We we're all waking up with hangovers and ordering a bacon sandwich instead of getting up and going for a run and having a fruit smoothie. You know, we were all in that lifestyle together. So I didn't notice that there was any difference. And I think you know, this is the big, this is the big alcohol problem that society has. It's that we try and divide the drinking population in two. And you've got the the, the normal drinkers in inverted commas, and you've got the problem drinkers. Now, the normal drinkers, big section of society. Problem drinkers, that little section up there, they're the alcoholics. Isn't it a shame that you can't drink normally? Isn't it a shame that you can't drink this addictive substance responsibly? Because we did tell you on the labels, there is a little thing on there that says, drink responsibly i'm not sure if you've got that in the us but every bottle in the uk drink responsibly and drink like responsibly. you have a disease we're all fine as opposed to what's going on now where it's becoming so much more well known that uh, you know alcohol addiction alcohol abuse alcohol you know dependence whether it's physically mentally emotionally habitually is a spectrum this gray area of mild moderate severe that almost every drinker is on there's not like some line where suddenly you realize that you've had this disease your entire life it's the the substance itself that kind of draws you along the spectrum and that's what the world health organization talk about now they don't talk about alcoholism they talk about alcohol use disorder and they talk about that spectrum because it isn't black and white and i think sharon said it earlier there's a difference between alcohol problem and alcohol being problematic and yeah. i always say that on over the influence is that i don't i didn't have an alcohol problem in terms of i was not physically dependent on alcohol and i know that for sure because i didn't experience any physical withdrawal symptoms from alcohol I've recently given up smoking, Casey, and my God, I was addicted to nicotine because I had some severe physical wow. withdrawal symptoms to nicotine. But I wasn't an alcoholic, and therefore I didn't have an alcohol problem in the kind of traditional sense of the word alcohol problem. But alcohol caused me problems that aren't there now. And that's why we always talk about on Over the Influence, you don't need a rock bottom to rethink your drinking. We had um, a community member on one of our very first Zoom calls And they said it perfectly. They said, I didn't have a rock bottom, but I could see it from where I was standing. And actually, they're the people that we love speaking to the most. Because like this podcast, we know that people listening to our podcast, Over the Influence, great podcast from 
You've got to say the name a few times, haven't we, Shaz? Just to yeah, kind of really no, it's over the influence. It's a great that. alcohol-free podcast. Um, but we know that lots of people haven't quite taken the the leap yet. They're still thinking about it. They're so be curious. They're thinking, actually, this might be a good thing for me. They're the people we want to we want to catch. And it's um, there's a quote from Desmond Tutu that I absolutely love. He died a few years ago, and you know, when someone passes away, you kind of get the inspirational quotes coming through on Facebook and Instagram. And I saw one from him, which was we've got to stop pulling people out of the river and go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And I just think that's so powerful. And it's as a society, we just don't think about that with alcohol. Yes. Okay. We'll help people once they've fallen in the river, but how many more people could we help if we just went a bit further upstream and caught people before they fell in? When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety, and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. I totally agree with that. And I've actually on the podcast had a couple physicians on who talk about how we really need to shift that, right? Because they do preventative early intervention screenings for high blood pressure, for diabetes, for now anxiety, there are standard yeah. questions that every general practitioner needs to ask to screen for that when you come in. And yet for alcohol itself, not only do almost no physicians or doctors get any training in alcohol addiction medicine, and if they do, it's often an outdated model, but also they don't screen for it. Like they ask you on the, um, questionnaire, you know, how many, how many drinks do you have? How often most of us, at least I know I didn't tell the truth on that until I quit drinking. I was like a couple of drinks, a couple of times a week. Like, are you a heavy drinker? I'm an occasional drinker. I was drinking a bottle of wine a night, but they don't in screening are like, how are you sleeping? Are you waking up at 3am? Do you sometimes, you know, drink more than you want to. All the screening questions that they would do for any other um, condition that impacts your health. We've got three really interesting examples of that from the, the NHS, the National yeah. Health Service over here. And we've got it, you know, we are both, I'm 
speaking on behalf of Shaz, because I know that she believes this. We are both huge supporters of the NHS. It's a very emotive thing if you're in the UK, the NHS. Having said that, we've heard some really dreadful stories when it comes to alcohol and the NHS. The first one is Jane McKenzie. We did an episode called The Mother because Jane was a, a councillor. Was she, a ma- she was the mayor of Shrewsbury, wasn't she, Jane, yeah, at one point? Yeah, politics, yeah. And this is where that whole kind of black and white thing, the sliding scale thing, just quantifying it is just a dreadful idea because she basically went to her doctor and said, this is Jane's daughter, and said, you know, I'm worried about my my drinking. They said, how much do you drink? They then did, a, you know, wrote it all down. Okay, so this many glasses, right, let's toss up your units. Ah, right, okay, you're not drinking enough units per week for us to be able to refer you on to alcohol support services. So here's a leaflet. And unfortunately, Jane's daughter died not long afterwards from alcoholism. We've got another story of there's somebody in our community who's he works in a quite high up in a hospital. And she went to speak to, you know, she's part of what we're doing now and really interested in alcohol free life. She went to speak to the person, the alcohol services within that hospital. And they basically said, yeah, you know, that's what we do. We, we, we toss up the units. And if you're. And I think it was, I think it's out of 12 They were in this particular test. It was out of 12. If you come in 10 or below, we'll send you home. You know, 10 or below. So they, they, this person's here for a reason. And I think the other really interesting thing when you're talking about stuff like this is that you're right. You don't know how much you're drinking. We had a guy on called Dan Parkin and he went to do one of these alcohol assessments and he, he wasn't trying to be. He wasn't trying to underplay it. He was being honest. When the doctor said to him, how much do you think you drink? He told him, you know, the doctor said, okay, well, take away this diary and actually write it down for the week. He came back in, he was drinking five times more than he thought that he was drinking. We've got to stop trying to quantify this stuff. It's got to be like, for example, when it comes to, you mentioned mental health services, it's, you can't really do a one size fits all solution. You've got to take it on an individual case by case basis why aren't we doing that with alcohol and i'm gonna shut up because sharon i'm sorry sure. i'm getting cross i told Jump you on in. i like it when ben goes off on one <laughs> no, I'm, not, you? I'm not jumping in no 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 <laughs> okay. no, I'm, no, but, no i'm okay. listening to you ben well but, and the other thing i would say is like even so many doctors i mean the u.s obviously our healthcare system is very very different but so many medical practitioners here aren't well-versed in alcohol and it, its impact. And a lot of them, because of society, are also drinkers. That even if you're honest or have the courage to tell them you're worried about your addiction, you know, you're worried about how much you drink. Um, you would like to cut back, but you're struggling to do so. Some of them, and I've heard stories from clients on this, will literally say to you, well, you're not an alcoholic. So, you know, XYZ, just try to drink less, which obviously anyone who actually mentions that to a health practitioner um, has already been trying to drink less for a very long time, or their only way that they know to refer people is to a 12-step program, which is one slice of options available to people to stop drinking. I mean, obviously there's therapy, there are uh, medications you could use, there's coaches, there are online support, all these kinds of things. But a lot of people 
are then at that point where they're like, well, I'm not that bad that I would want to or need to go to a 12 step program. So all that, here's what I love. I love what you guys do in talking about the benefits of alcohol-free life. I do that as well. And I do really think it is shifting with the popularity of dry January and sober October and dry July. And then also the um, sober curious movement and the huge boom in non-alcoholic beverages out there and the huge growth and Generation Z and millennials who are drinking less, that people are truly hearing the message that an alcohol-free life is an option without stigma, without labels, where you will physically feel better without it. Can I jump in there? Yes. Please do. So we we think about sobriety week in, week out. We sing about sobriety on our Zoom calls. We meet people in real life and, and we sing about sobriety. When we talk about the um, the negative impact of alcohol, I think, you know, speaking from my own bitter experience, there isn't one area of life that alcohol doesn't impact, be that something as small as, you just can't be arsed getting up on time. You know, no, I'm just, I'm just going to lie here for another half hour because I feel below par. Or it might be to, you know, upsetting a family member. It could be that you're not putting the work in, you know, in, in your, in your day job. W- whatever. If, if you're drinking regularly and, you know, whatever amount it might be, if it's too much for you and it's having negative impacts, it's simply across the board. It's, it's, it's everything. And again, I come back to what I said at the beginning. Until you remove it, you don't quite realize how much. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of that, when I removed alcohol, and this is true of just about every person I've ever spoken to, there isn't one area of your life that does not improve. Like, there's, there's not one area. It's family. It's your mental health, your physical health, your productivity, your skin. Woman of a certain age like me, your big fat bloated wine belly. My face shrunk, Casey, look like a beach ball. I mean, it's still very round, Casey. But it's <laughs> I have a round face it, myself. You've got a really round, chubby hamster cheeks. They used to be so much bigger. Everything, your 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 confidence. Oh, I mean, just every aspect of life that was touched by alcohol improves immeasurably, and you just find joy. In, in the smallest things, I still bang on about a Saturday morning. How many hundreds of Saturday mornings have I had now where I've not woken up feeling like a sack of shit? I've, I've lost count. And I put the washing machine on and it's, it's a day like today where it's just a little bit blowy, perfect drying weather. Take the washing outside, get it on the line at eight o'clock and the birds are tweeting. And it's those little things you just think, oh, and I'm still doing it and I'm still doing it. And oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens 
They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients, but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it and when it fits into your schedule. You don't need to work your life around group meetings or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30-day challenge or a one-day-at-a-time approach. Instead, it's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy. You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time, and I would love to see you in the course. I had a question for you, though, and I want to hear this from Ben, too, and then we can come back to that. Um, People are listening to this, and they're thinking, how long does it take to feel better? Because, you know... Ben, you said that you felt it immediately. I know for a lot of people, just because of withdrawal and your body adjusting and your dopamine levels being suppressed and that, you know, your anxiety being spiked, that you do feel somewhat worse in the beginning, say two or three weeks before you feel better. So can I ask you both kind of when was the first time you noticed you felt better? When did is the first time, you know, I remember feeling that like weird spark of joy for the first time in forever being like, I love my life uh, walking into work on a morning. And I was like, holy shit, I don't remember 
ever feeling this way, you know? I'm going to be really, really honest, okay? Really honest. And I think it, it varies for everybody. I think everybody is different depending on maybe age and alcohol consumption and what, you know, where, where you're at in life. I stopped drinking on a Monday. And I remember that first weekend waking up going, oh, okay. So this is what normal people feel like, do they? However, however, I felt that bad in terms of sleep, in terms of exhaustion for, it was about three months, not one word of a lie. And in fact, I've discussed this with William Porter, author of Alcohol Explained. He's, I'm a super fan. I absolutely yeah, adore him. He's the nicest guy. He's actually been on the pod twice and oh. I adore him. He's just Ben. Stop laughing. He's he's just I. I Sorry, I'm I'm laughing because you will know Casey, having been a podcast guest of ours, that you know you come on. It's very very professional over the influence, but we are quite kind of chilled out, you know, wearing hoodies and yeah. When William Porter comes on, Shaz puts a blouse on and you you rouge your cheeks, don't you? That's how you phrase it. Yeah, bit of rouge and a white blouse. That's it. Yeah, just so you're looking your absolute. And it's anyway. not because on social media he posts all these pictures of himself running. Topless photos on building sites. Nothing I know, that. with his shirt off. It's purely his mind. She's just attracted to his mind. Anyway, sorry, Shaz. It's just his mind. It's not him in a white vest, all right? No, no. Oh, he does love a white vest, doesn't he? Loves he loves a white vest. Yeah. We're digressing. So we I might... <laughs> we we often do. <laughs> we do this a lot, Casey. We do this a lot. Weird tangents. We were talking to William uh, in January of this year, and I was explaining to him, how because he was explaining how you know you can actually feel rotten more rotten before you start to feel well again and i was saying to him that it took me 90 to 100 days for for the fog to lift for the cloud to lift and i felt that bad i thought this is a load of crap obviously i need alcohol i felt better when i was drinking it was another bullshit lie that you you absolutely tell yourself in order to try and make it all right and it is it's, it's just lies and then i remember about a hundred days in, this this cloud just lifted, and this this spark, and this energy, and this zest, and this interest for life, and it was like somebody had just turned the lights back on, literally in in my world behind my eyes, and um, I, I just remember one particular moment we were on um, a family break up to the uh, the top of Scotland in, in the wilds of uh, the Scottish Highlands. And I obviously I wasn't drinking and uh, it had been just after this, this, this point, this triple figures. And I was taking our dog out for a walk in the street and it was just so quiet and beautiful and the mountains. And then there were these um, like wild stags just running past me down the road. It was like a scene out of a Disney movie. And I went, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I, and I can feel it now. Like it was a mixture of like relief and exhilaration. And they talk about the pink cloud. And I think. I think that's what I experienced at that moment um and I knew then that I was absolutely on the right path so if, if this is you now and you, you're struggling and you're thinking god I, I I feel rotten you have to stick with it because you cannot undo as in my case you know the best part of 25 30 years drinking overnight you won't be repaired in five days in two weeks it, yeah. it, it takes a bit of time but once it all kicks in once your body has started to say thank you and, and you've caught back up on your sleep because I could literally sleep on a washing line in those first 1900 days. 
when it happens, you will just go, thank the Lord above that I have stuck with this because it's um, it's the gift that just keeps giving. So patience, patience is key, Casey. That's what and I And I know for everyone, it doesn't take that long. I started running kind of, I was in a workout group in the beginning. And I remember even at two months um, after I stopped drinking, I ran my first 10K in six, seven years. And I was like right. practically in tears at the end, just by myself. And trust me, I was running like slow, um, but just like, oh my God, I am now someone who does what I say I'm going to do. Like yeah. I follow through, but I do know people who two months in are like, I don't feel better or why am I so tired? So Sharon, how did you keep going? during that time period because that is a lot of times where people will turn back to old habits or say screw it everyone told me I'd feel amazing and I don't fuck this you know? I think because what I focus on there is how rotten I felt in terms of uh, lethargy and exhaustion and feeling tired what I haven't talked about is the things that did begin to improve straight away okay you know um the colour returned to my eyes. You know, they, they started to sparkle again. People noticed, like, you're, you're in a good mood. Well, yeah, because I'm not a cranky, hungover, misery arse on a daily basis. Um, having more energy, even though I was still really, really tired and I just couldn't work out where the exhaustion was coming from. It was my body repairing itself. Um, and just feeling sort of pride and, and knowing I, I was on the right path. And that this would all, fingers crossed, work out, you know, because so many people had said, uh, stick with it. So there, there was a load of little benefits that, that, that came straight away. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, stopping that, that daily habit, you are going to start to feel better straight away. Um, but it, it just took a long time in, in terms of the exhaustion. And I just knew I just had to keep going because I'd set myself a challenge of, 90 days yeah 100 days you know and, and and I knew I just had to keep going but actually prior to that point I'd already said I'm going to go for the year and so when I say I'm going to do something I'm going to do something yeah. so it was, it was never an option I was never ever ever as pissed off as I was in the uh in the in the early days I was never gonna start again ever well and I know one of my clients said to me um uh, which I loved when she was at 22 days she said her husband asked her, um, you know, how's this whole not drinking thing going for you? And she said, well, not waking up hating myself is pretty awesome. And that is something that is pretty amazing. I mean, the amount of shit we talk to ourselves and say in the morning, I know for myself after a night of drinking, which for me was every day was just you know, I was really, you know, get your shit together. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You know, like all this crap. So yeah, ben, the, the, you said that you felt the benefits almost immediately. So tell me about that because you weren't a daily drinker. No, it's it's been really interesting giving up cigarettes three weeks ago. Well, I, I say cigarettes. I, I I stopped smoking cigarettes two years ago, Casey, and I moved on to raspberry steam. I was oh one my of those God. silly my, vapors. My bestie 
um, quit drinking, quit drinking and quit smoking at the same time. But she had moved to just a ton of Nicorette gum. And when she stopped that, which literally was five months ago, she was like, I cannot believe the withdrawal I'm going through. It's crazy. And I think the the interesting thing about it for me is that because I I wasn't physically dependent on alcohol, and I think, you know, we we always say it, you've got to say it. If you think that you might be physically dependent on alcohol, the first thing you've got to do is go and speak to your doctor because removing nicotine, the kind of physical symptoms of withdrawal for nicotine are kind of, I was very grumpy, very miserable, very angry at everyone for everything. For weeks um obviously you know one of the symptoms of withdrawing from alcohol if you are physically dependent on alcohol can be death so it's very important that you go and talk to your gp if you think you might have any kind of physical dependency medically supervised withdrawal absolutely absolutely but i think for me because i didn't have that physical dependency the difference is that i found giving up alcohol personally quite easy because it was a bit of a relief for me at that point like i say that you know i didn't have an alcohol problem but alcohol caused me problems one of the problems that alcohol caused me is that i would go on a night out i'd binge drink and i was about to say nine times out of ten it probably wasn't it's probably more four times out of five i come home no problem wake up the next day with a hangover but that would be the only consequence i'd feel shit and maybe i'd miss a plan and not not do something i said i was going to do or whatever but then there'd be that one time where I'd cause an argument with Jem, or I'd text someone something stupid, or in the pub with my brothers, and I'd say something to my brother that I thought was funny, but actually was really quite hurtful. Yeah. And it, and I'd, I'd say and do things that just didn't align with the person that I thought that I was, or the person that I wanted to be. And so when I when I gave up alcohol for that initial three months, I did feel this kind of relief. It was like, ah, oh, right, this is a great excuse. Not, I'm. I'm actually quite glad to not be drinking for the next three months i'm ready for this break from alcohol but it was the social side that i struggled with that was the hard bit for me it was what do you mean you're giving up alcohol have you got a problem but is this something you're not is, is have you been to the doctors is this something you're not telling me like you know it was all those kind of but you've got to drink like my identity was that i was a massive drinker yeah. and i think that you know if if to the point where if i went to the pub and ordered a diet coke it wouldn't go unnoticed it'd be what, what do you mean you're ordering a diet like even at lunchtime, do you know what I mean? And it is, yeah. it is, that was the harder part for me. Giving up cigarettes has been physically very difficult, but you get this kind of social pat on the back. Oh, well done. You stopped smoking. And that's kind of dragged me through that kind of physical side. I think that's the difficult bit with alcohol is that, you you know, especially if you are feeling these kind of, and Sharon, you know, you've just talked about it and we've talked about it loads before that. That's a long time to feel knackered for, isn't it? A hundred days for you. Yeah, but to also be dealing with that and also have that kind of oh go on just have one oh you weren't that bad, you know I think that me- that makes it a double whammy really difficult. So I feel really grateful that I didn't have that kind of those physical things that kind of made me think oh maybe it's just easier to go and have a drink again because that's that's what a lot of it is, isn't it? You know, in terms of kind of if I feel like shit, what's the point of giving it up? You know, and. But honestly, I I didn't. And I'm not saying that as a kind of, no, 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 I felt fine. I'm saying it because I I I benefited straight away. And I, that's why, you know, in the intro, you said that anybody, doesn't matter what kind of drinker they are, will benefit from removing alcohol. Obviously, there are huge benefits for people who are on the kind of towards that end of the scale where it is severely hazardous drinking. But even for people who 
drink a bit, you know, remove it and just get it out of your system. It is a poison. Yeah. Get that poison out of your system and you will become more clear headed. Yeah. You will become more enthusiastic and optimistic about life. Like even just drinking, like let's say I'd go out and have a few pints on a Wednesday night with the football. And then on Friday, I'd have a few more. And then Saturday, I'd have a big night, you know, Monday, Tuesday. It's been a few days since I've had a drink. It's still there. It's still, yeah. I still feel it in my system. It's still making me groggy and giving me this kind of cloud. If you remove it, then that's not going to be there anymore. And it is, people think, oh, well, it's only alcoholics that need to stop drinking. No, it's not. But you can choose to do this, not because it's something that you're, not because you're running away from something bad, but because you're running towards something good, you know, doing yeah. this for positive lifestyle benefits, yeah. you know, because as Shazza was talking about them beautifully earlier. Yeah. That's the thing that we love to do. It's to it's to sing about sobriety and talk about all the good bits because we believe that the carrot is a better motivator than the stick. I totally don't spend time totally feeling agree. shame and embarrassment about the things that you did as a drinker. Be appreciative for being alcohol free now and doing all these things that you know that you would never have done had you not removed alcohol. You know, and, and what are the great things that are going to happen in the future? Because it does just keep getting better, this whole alcohol free life thing. I remember sure. one of the things that was really a huge memory that I have when I stopped drinking, and it was pretty early on, like within the first three weeks, um, a friend of mine who I met online had invited me actually to a 12-step meeting. That did not end up being my path, but it was my first 12-step meeting. She went to it. She loved it. She was like, my age and cool and a lawyer. And, you know, like it was just like, okay, if she goes to this, I can, you know, try this out. She says it's great. But what I remember is she lived on the other side of Seattle from me. And so the meeting was, God help me, at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. There are meetings all times a day, but that was the one she went to. And I wasn't drinking. So I was like, sure, whatever. You know, I had gone to bed early the night before. I drove across this bridge, this huge lake where you see Mount Rainier in Seattle at 7 a.m. And all of these people were out. Like the sun was shining. The the lake was blue. uh, The mountain was out. And people were running and biking and walking and talking. And I was just like, holy shit, do they do this every weekend? Like <laughs> They're not coming uh, home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, I was like, there is a universe of people who look ridiculously health fit, you know, healthy and fit and happy. And I was just like, I'm usually opening one eye in bed because my two-year-old is coming into my room or screaming or whatever, kicking me in bed if she woke up in the middle of the night and I have a headache and I don't feel well. You know, I just, so those noticing those types of things or, you know, sometimes a lot of women who want to stop drinking, it's because they don't like how they look or they feel you definitely get that bloat, that belly. And, you know, they want the scale to move. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away, but I'm like, take a picture, take a selfie of your face once a week, like on your day one, and then on week one and week two, because you will very quickly notice the difference in your skin, your eyes, how puffy you are, um, all those things. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I can 
oh, I can picture my day one photograph now and I look like I've actually been dug up. It's Did you horrific. take one? Your day one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day one photograph. I look like uh, a corpse. It's yeah. atrocious. Um, and just a week later and then two weeks later and three weeks later, it just changes. You can't see it in the mirror. You put the photograph side by side and it's the eyes. Your face just starts to come alive. Honestly, it's such a good thing to do to, as, as a visual. Um, I also think it's, it's really worth acknowledging how 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 hard this shit is. Yes. It's really, really hard. But the payoff is immense. But at first, you know, you might have been thinking about doing this for a couple of years, five years. 10 years, depending on your age, you take a run up and you think, oh, I can't be bothered. Take a run up. No, I can't be bothered. And you're in a social circle and it's wine o'clock somewhere and, oh, go on, just have one. You're not that bad. It takes absolute balls of steel to go, no, okay, no, just for now, no, I'm going to make a change. Bended it, you know, for for, for three months. I, I did the same sort of thing. And you set these boundaries and you go, no. Leave me to it. Just leave me alone for the time being. And I think you've got to say no a lot and you've really got to be firm on, on your boundaries. And it is hard. This shit is hard if your social circle has been the same circle for 10, 15, 20 years and you, you are the one making this change. Yeah. For me, Casey, I was the biggest drunken dick, you know, just, oh, I invite Sharon. She'll be great for, great for. So for me to go, um, I'm, actually, I'm not drinking. What? Pardon? I'm, I'm taking a break. And I, I remember vividly saying, just leave me to it, please. Just yeah. leave me to it. I'll be back. Um, and then it, it all changed. And it's it's not always easy when, when your friendship groups change and when you are pressured. And as Ben said, when you are questioned, somebody somebody drunk took me to one side and said, um, Sharon, what's, uh, what's wrong? What's the problem? I'm like, oh, God, really? Really? Yeah. There's no problem because I am now not drinking. And, you know, that was the problem. This is not a problem. This is this is life-changing stuff. Um, but it, it can be really tricky to navigate, Yeah. Um, you know, especially with, with, with friendship groups and with uh, with, with peer pressure. Um, but just keep plowing forward because ultimately it's it's nobody else's business. It's nothing to do with anybody else. It's to do with, with you and your changes. And one last thing I want to say, because I'm, I'm getting a bit like Ben. I'm starting to get a little bit ranty. Um, it's because we're so passionate. <laughs> it is. It's hard. It? like, and another thing. And another, <laughs> another thing. thing. <laughs> and another thing. What it does, removing alcohol, you can't imagine it again until you remove alcohol. You, you just mm-hmm. cannot imagine it. It completely and utterly lifts the lid on your world in ways that you probably cannot even imagine. And as Ben said before, it continues to happen. So when you're three months in, you think, oh, this is all right. This is good. Six months. You know what? I'm liking this. A year. Oh, my God. Get to year two and beyond. How fire. It just keeps getting better and better and better. Again, disclaimer, little asterisks here. Um shit still happens in life you know difficult stuff you still have to navigate but it lifts the lid on your world and it truly 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 shows the person beneath the booze who you it's easy to say that it it changes you it doesn't i think it reveals exactly who you were before alcohol 
stalled you before alcohol stole your shine. Remove it, and and it and it all comes back with with knobs on. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash someday. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to mention, I totally agree that it is difficult, especially when you've had 20, 30 years, almost an entire lifetime of being conditioned to believe that drinking is good and that alcohol is a privilege of adulthood and something to be celebrated and cherished. And typically, drinkers often hang out with other drinkers. So most likely everyone in your social circle has been conditioned or almost brainwashed to believe that as well. And that the only people who would stop drinking are people who quote unquote have a problem with it. Or why would you possibly do that? You know, you get the just have one, it's no big deal. Um, that said, I hope that is changing. I see it changing. Um, but I have a podcast episode. If you want to listen to it, it's episode 113 that I think is really great because the guest talked about 20 new questions to ask yourself about your drinking. I'll link to it in the show notes because it's, it's exactly the type of thing we're talking about. But the questions are, you know, to some extent, how would your life improve if you removed alcohol? What are the benefits of not drinking? What are the negative effects of drinking? Um, you know, what discomfort do you have during a craving that you're not acting on? Because that gives you clues as to what you need to replace. So if you're resonating with this conversation, I highly encourage you to follow up listening to this with episode 113, because it'll give you not only like why to stop drinking if you're not quote unquote that bad, but instead of doing the quiz of like, do I have a drinking problem? Asking different questions. I love that. The question that I really like is, do you still enjoy alcohol? Like that word still. We had um, a guest on our podcast a few weeks ago called Sarah Turner, who's an author. Um, the Unmumsy Mum is her kind of online name. And we we're talking about how alcohol, she drank to kind of reconnect with an old identity, an old version of her, you know, when she was young and fun and single and, you know, no responsibilities. And that actually, 
it's all right for you know the reason that you remove alcohol it's okay for it to be that you know it, it was fun and i enjoyed it in my 20s but it just doesn't fit with my life in my 30s anymore it's okay that alcohol had a time and place i think yeah do you still enjoy alcohol we kind of we say that because we've been doing it for so long oh well, i love drinking and i love a pint in the airport before i go on holiday and i love drinking at this time and i love drinking with these people and i love drinking that drink after this drink and and actually go okay that's the the identity that's what you kind of built up over these many years of drinking but just just stop in time now do you still feel that way now today with the context that you've got around you you know yeah you know for the other mumsy mum she's not single anymore she's got three kids three young kids you know she's got a, a fabulous career as an author she's going and doing book signings and meeting people she's you know does it does alcohol still fit into that yeah and it's all right if the answer is no it doesn't yeah i mean my husband i had him on the pod too and we we talked about all the things which i was terrified to have him on i know ben you had your fiance jim on as well and well, i know, didn't i didn't know that that was happening casey that's you, amazing at least you had a choice sharon surprised me it with was my a fiance, surprise jim. No, I did have was... a choice. And my husband kept being like, when are you bringing me on? When are you bringing me on? And I was like, oh, I, like I was putting him off. But <laughs> one of the things he said that really resonated with me was, you know, how much is it that you miss, quote unquote, drinking sometimes? Or how much is it that you miss being 27 and not having kids so and true. not having responsibilities? So and I was like, Oh, yeah, because adulting is adulting, but at least you're not adding a hangover and a fuzzy memory and, um, you know, tripping and embarrassment in the morning. At least you're not a- adding that to freaking being an adult with. Oh, a, God. Um, I mean, the thought that there's, that there's no sort of coincidence is the case. And this is speaking as, as a woman in midlife, you know, that you, you get to sort of mid-40s and you go, hang on a minute, I'm 40 freaking something here. I've got three children. I'm a I'm a responsible, upstanding member of the community, you know, and you're still necking it and falling over and losing your shoes and just making an absolute tosser of yourself. Yeah. And, and people try to tell me that sobriety is boring. No, doing the same old stuff with the same old people in the same old places week in, week out, day in, day out. That became boring. And in your introduction, you um you mentioned about the that the hangover hamster wheel of hell. Yes. It is just a relentless cycle and you can you can break it at any point and it's nerve wracking and it's well terrifying actually. I was scared to death of contemplating a life without alcohol. But if you're brave and you just hold on and have a bit of patience and, and put the work in, it's honestly it's life changing. There is there is nothing nothing boring about sobriety it's it's just it's the absolute before so like a stock record it's the gift that just keeps on giving but it, yeah. it so is it really is well um, i think I if you're listening to this just like give yourself a longer period of time longer than four days or two weeks or 30 days alcohol free to see if your life improves without drinking, even if you're not quote unquote that bad, because you know what your life looks like drinking the good and the bad, the highlights and the lowlights. For me, the highlights were maybe 
20% at best, maybe 10. The low lights were, you know, the other 22 hours of each and every day or, you know, my nerves being shot and the anxiety and just the being less optimistic along with all the other crap. But, you know, if you do three months, 100 days alcohol free, and you look back at your life drinking and are like, actually, I like that better. Like the alcohol is not going anywhere, but you probably have not given yourself that opportunity in 5, 10, 20 years. And for women, when you're pregnant, it's different, right? It doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't count, like it counts, right? But, you know, Ben, when you were talking about the social encouragement and positive reinforcement of stopping smoking versus the why aren't you drinking? What's going on? Um, Just have one. When you're pregnant, first of all, everybody is so excited for you. You're excited. You're, you know, planning your registry, whatever. Um, Most of the time, not all the time, of course. But also, if you were to open a bottle of wine or order a cocktail at a bar, um, the negative feedback and embarrassment would be overwhelming. So it is different stopping drinking when you're not pregnant. And I think people listening, even if they're not quote unquote that bad, they should give themselves the chance to see what might happen in their life, who they might be, what they might do if they weren't kind of trying to do this marathon with a ball and chain around their ankle. I did the uh, the maths on this, Casey, a while ago, and I think I did it based on the average life expectancy for a man in the UK, because women do live longer than men. I do follow a Twitter account called Why Women Live Longer Than Men, which proves why, <laughs> because men do stupid things like try and jump over canals and whatever. But <laughs> the average life expectancy is 84 for a man in the UK. So 100 days, because we always say 100 days, is 0.03% of your life. Like, it's long and it's amazing. Like, when you get to 100 days, absolutely celebrate it. Triple figures is incredible. But actually, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that long. 0.03% of your life. Like, why not give it a go? Because you know what it's like to be a drinker. Yeah. And you don't know what it's like to be a So many chances. I mean, imagine every embarrassing moment, every hangover, every fuzzy memory, every time you told someone something that was something you were supposed to keep in confidence. And yet we're like, this time's going to be different. Like you need to give sobriety or alcohol-free life a chance the way you've given alcohol so many chances. Yeah. You're right. You know, we, we say this so much, don't we, Ben? And when people come into our community at Over the Influence, we say, look, because we're not a recovery program, by the way. This is this is peer-to-peer support. This is all about um, inspiration, motivation, connection, and basically just just connecting people who who get it. Because referring back to what I said earlier, it, it can be a lonely road at times. You can feel a bit like a sober lone ranger. If you find your people and you find your tribe and just a handful of people that absolutely get it, and if you reach triple figures it's it's a tipping point it honestly it's a tipping point i have yet to meet and bear in mind we have met hundreds of people you know in the length of time we've been doing this i have yet to meet one person that has reached 100 days and beyond and gone well that was crap i really regret that yeah. no regrets 
just a feeling of overwhelming pride. Oh yeah. my God, I didn't know a life like this existed. And it is, it's, it's like that scene out of um, The Wizard of Oz when they're in Munchkin land and they're dancing down the uh, the yellow brick roads, but it's in it's in black and white. And then all of a sudden it goes into glorious Technicolor. That's the difference between a life of boozing and a life w- without alcohol. But just give, give it a What's the worst that can happen? If it's crap, sell a V. At least yeah. you tried it. But yet to meet that person, Casey. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned over the influence, your community. Tell us a little bit more about it and how people can find you and sort of what's part of all that. Go on, Shaz. You're the pro at this. She's always in sales mode, is Shaz. I love it. Honestly, it's the best thing. <laughs> it's the best thing we ever did. And it is good, isn't it? It's just... Bearing in mind, it's all... Again, that's an accident. Yeah, not, not a... Ben's sobriety <laughs> was an accident. Yeah. I never meant to be alcohol-free. We were never meant to do a podcast. If we weren't meant no. to start a bloody internet community bringing together like-minded, you know, sober, alcohol-free individuals. However, that's exactly what we did, and it's working a treat. So we are um, we're away from Facebook. We've got our own little platform going on, and it's over the influence dot co dot uk and we have got people from all over the world not thousands of people we're a small but perfectly formed online community and we've got people based all over the uk we've got people in the states australia new zealand europe all over the flipping shop and um, but what we found is the one thing that really brings people together we do um we host about 19 Zoom calls a week at various sort of uh, time zones. So if somebody's morning is Australia, nighttime in the UK, probably got my time zones completely wrong there. Basically, people... <laughs> time zones do our absolute yeah, they do headed, our train, don't they? they? Yeah. lucky we've made this call, Casey, to be I honest, know. It's <laughs> 7 p.m. in the UK, and it's 11 yeah. p.m. here in 7 p.m. Yeah. in the UK. Anybody? But we, we have worked it out, and we have three Zoom calls a day, Monday to Friday. And two Zoom calls a day on a Saturday and Sunday, which suit all time zones. And they are the kind of core of people's membership, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And that that connection, that just linking up with like-minded individuals where, you know what, because a lot of people feel like they can't celebrate their sobriety in, in their own circles, be it a week alcohol-free, be it 10 months, be it five years, because we've got people in there that have been doing this for a long, long time. In Over the Influence, they can go, OMG. I'm four weeks alcohol-free, <laughs> and we'll go, yeah! We are your biggest cheerleaders, because yeah. I know a lot of people feel they can't, you know, celebrate that in, in inverted commas. Or that people don't get it. They don't, don't get, get it. How they just won't get it. That is, yeah. You know? um, and so that's what we're all about. It's basically, yeah, a, a community of um, like-minded individuals where for, for so many people that, that connection is the missing piece of the uh, of the alcohol free jigsaw? It's yeah. wonderful. It's it's absolutely. It's flipping. part of realizing that you are not alone. There is Never. a huge amount of people who are doing this alcohol free life and realizing that you know, kind of, you've been sold a bill of goods. That it isn't everything it's cracked up to be, and just knowing that other people are making this choice as well and are cheering you on and giving you tips and tricks it's and that's the thing it's, yeah it's 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 peer-to-peer support if you post in there and you go cracky got my first alcohol-free holiday coming up i'm not sure how it's going to go Woof. the community jumps in and goes right this is what i did this is what worked for yeah. me why don't you try this why don't you try that 
it's it's just it's just wonderful. And the podcast the friendliest do, corner of the internet, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it, Ben? Mm. It really, yeah. really is. Um, and the podcast over the influence, it's uh, it's weekly, comes out every Monday. Uh, the main podcast is all about the uh, the guest story. We we like to uh, we speak to Cracky. All sorts of different people from the AF world, um, but a lot of the episodes that really resonate are the ones where we speak to ordinary people with just you know extraordinary stories to share. Uh, we've got a premium podcast as well because we love banging on about sobriety that much. We do an extra episode uh, once a week as well. So that's us in a nutshell. And if you want any further info, over the influence uk, and you'll speak to myself or lovely Ben. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on here. I've loved getting to know you and becoming friends with you and love this conversation as well. Can I just say as well, there's an amazing episode. If you just go back a couple of weeks, I think it was released in March and it's with the brilliant Casey Davidson. So uh, take a listen. It was a, it was a You're going to recommend like a William Parker episode or something. <laughs> no, I was not expecting that, but I did go on the Over the Influence podcast and told my story. So it was brilliant. And Casey, thank you for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yes, been brilliant. Thank you, Casey. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.